and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. So we're continuing in Novabacha 47B, about see, four lines from the bottom or so. I'm on the wrong page. There you go. 47B, four lines or so, five lines from the bottom um, after the parentheses. Uh, my name is Aryeh Khan. Looking forward to being with you for the next uh, 40 minutes or so. We're getting over an election. It's not over yet. It's revealed awful things about this country, which uh, are not surprising. We don't trust each other. We hate each other. We have 70 million people who voted for somebody whose basic claim to be the president was racism covered in a slight garb of economic populism. Disregard for the basic things he had to do for the office, like keep Americans safe. So let's hope that that might be better, but that's, uh, I was thinking about that, because what we are talking about here in the Gemara is commerce. At its base is a relationship. And the base of that relationship is trust, something that's been very, very, very lacking in our country over the past many, many years. And for good reasons, right? Country built on genocide and enslavement. It's hard to wait to generate trust. But here, our Gemara is not talking about that, but it's talking about the commercial transaction itself and the things that are around it. And we'll get soon to actually the commercial transaction itself. Is there any kind of a pure communicative situation in a commercial transaction? Or is it all about coercion and duress? So that's what's coming up. And it's kind of interesting that actually in the um, layout of the shots that was laid out low these 150 years ago in the publishing house of the widow and the brothers Ram, right before our sugya is a parenthesis in which there is the simanim. We talked about them a little bit. Simanim are, are, are mnemonic devices. Um, and this one is Amalek, which is each letter of the word Amalek. Amalek referring to the nation that attacked Israel on its way out of Egypt when Israel was weak and hungry. And therefore, there is an obligation to wipe out Amalek. But Amalek here is because we have the the four letters refer to the, the Brayta here, Arev Malveh Lokeach Kablan. Whatever else you want to put into that, that is your drasha. Okay, so let's do this. Tznarabaran. It's, there is a rabbinic text. And this is kind of a, this is a Brayta, a Tanitic text, or, or a pseudo-Tanitic text. It doesn't appear any place except for in this space itself. But it's it is some kind of a text that is being that is the basic of basis of study because we'll see that the text is interspersed with Aramaic comments, meaning that they are not from the same linguistic level as the base text. Arev meid lelove, and arev is allowed to testify for a borrower. Now, an arev is somebody who is a guarantor of a loan, a lova as a borrower, and the Arab is allowed to testify in case that the borrower's land is being challenged by a ma'arer, by some by a challenger saying, bye bye bayara, right? All the things that we heard so in, in, in Rabbi's casebook. 
So the Arab is allowed to testify that that land does belong to the Lovet. Now we might have thought that the Arev, the guarantor, is not allowed to testify because the Arev has an interest in the Lovet and the borrower keeping her land because the if the borrower loses her land and then the lender comes to collect the loan from the borrower and the borrower can't pay it back, so then the lender will come to the Arev, to the guarantor, to get, to collect from his land. So we might have thought that the Arev has an interest and therefore, we don't trust him because he's no gay abedut. He has an int- He has he has conflicting interests, conflict of interest in that testimony. But the this bride says arave meilalove. But vehu deitle arachriti. Right. The, uh, the comment of the stam comments. No, that's only when there's another piece of land. Right. When the uh, when the the love has another piece of land. That can uh, go to the the uh, the lender. Malve me So here again, we have a, a case where uh, the Breita tells us that the lender can testify for the borrower. Same conflict of interest because the lender wants to be able to collect from that piece of land. Doesn't want that piece of land to go away. Vuhu de idla Same thing. That is only in the case where the borrower has another piece of land. So if that piece of land goes away, is challenged, and its ownership is successfully challenged, and so therefore the challenger gets that piece of land, the lender can still collect from the other piece of land. So what about you have a buyer and then a second buyer? So you have Ruvain sells a field to Levi, and then afterwards sells a field to Yehuda, and somebody comes and is and challenges Yehuda on that field. Now, we would have thought that Ruvain has a, a an interest in testifying for Levi that the field actually belongs to him, or testifying for Yehuda that the field that he bought from Levi belongs to him still, because he, if if he loses that field, then he might go back to Levi, and then Levi would go back to Ruvain to collect the field. Again, the Stam tells us, If there's another piece of land out there, so then therefore the conflict of interest is not such a, a strong conflict of interest, because there's some wiggle room since there's another piece of land that can be collected from. So therefore... The person testifying, whether it's the Arave, the, the guarantor, or whether it's the lender, or whether it's the first purchaser, is not that worried about losing his own land because it's another piece of land. However, now, Kablan, what about a Kablan? A Kablan is, is a middleman. Kablan is a person who gets money from the bar, from the lender and gives it to the borrower. So the Kablan has a certain amount of ownership over that money in between, in the middle. Kablan, Amrila Meid, Amrila Meid. So there are those who say that this Kablan, this middleman, that can testify. There are those who say that he can't testify. Okay, well, in other words, for the borrowers, on the, about the borrower's land. Same case, but now it's a Kablan who has more responsibility about the land. That, in other words, when it's in our rave, when it's a, a guarantor, so then the lender can only come and collect from the guarantor when the borrower runs out of money. When it's a kablan, 
this middleman, since the middleman actually acquired the money before he gave it to the borrower. So then the lender can go straight to the kablan, straight to the middleman and collect. So he has more, he has a higher level of interest. So kablan, some people say that he can testify that the borrower's land belongs to the borrower. And some people say he can't. Amri Lameid, those who say that he can testify, why? Because he's like a guarantor. Just like a guarantor can testify, so he can testify, assuming that there's another piece of, of land, perhaps. But Amri Lameid, and there are those who say that he can't testify. Because it is better for him. He's not like an Arave. He's not like a guarantor. Right, so the lender can immediately go to him, and it is better for him that both pieces of land, both his piece of land and the the borrower's piece of land, are around, right, so that the debtor can decide which one he wants to collect from, and therefore there's a chance there's there's a better chance that the debtor will not collect from his the kablan's land, but will go and collect from the borrower's land. Okay, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Now moving on. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Oman, Ein Ben Oman, Yesh lo So Rabbi Yochanan says, an artisan cannot make a claim of chazaka, cannot cl- make a claim of an assumption of ownership on whether it's on a piece of property that he was working on or, or more likely it was some kind of thing, a metal, an object he was working on. But the son of an Oman can make a chazaka, right? Can make a claim of chazaka if the son of the Oman was, it was on, on working on a house, for a bunch of years, and the son of the Oman lived there for a bunch of years and was consuming the price. And the son of the Oman can make chazakah because he's not, he's not the artisan. He's not an artisan. There's no assumption. There's no problem in perception that he can make up that, oh, he, that, that he was living, the reason that he was living there was because he was working full time because he wasn't. Aris ain't lo chazakah. Ben Aris yesh lo chazakah. A tenant farmer has no, cannot make a claim of chazakah. This we've seen already. Ben Aris, for the same reason, Yesh Lo the son of the tenant farmer, who's not, who's not a tenant farmer, can make a claim of Chazakah. Gazlan, Uben Gazlan, Eilan Chazakah. Ben Benoshel Gazlan, Yesh Lo A thief and the thief's son, neither of which, neither of whom, can make a claim of ownership, of the assumption of ownership, by living on land and consuming land, because we assume that they got it in an improper way, and that would be a chazakah she'eni matana, because they stole it. It would be a chazakah which has no narrative, has no story to back it up. So therefore, we assume that it's stolen. So therefore, they can't make a claim of ownership. Ben Benoshel Gazlan Yeshel Chazakah. But the grandson of the thief, he can already make a claim of ownership. Hechidami. So, so the Gemara is going to try to clarify what this last statement is. The Stam is going to try to clarify. Echidami, how, what is this like? So if the grandson comes with the claim that it belonged to his fathers, right? Right? If he makes a claim that it's his father's, so that also, so what difference does it make if he's a son or grandson? If he's going back, the ancestral home is stolen. But if he's going to go on a, some other claim, not the claim that it belongs to my father's, but the claim I bought it from you, something to that effect. So then, even the son of the God, even the son of the thief, should also be able to, to to claim it to make uh, to have a chazaka. La tzricha. 
No, we actually need this because it's telling us something new. Because we're talking about a case where witnesses came and they said before us, the, uh, the seller admitted to the father that it's his, that he sold it to him. So if there is a case where the other case, so the case of an Aris, or the case of an Omal, the case of the artisan, or the or or the the tenant farmer, there's a, a reason to say that he's telling the truth. Hi, but the son of a of the thief. In that case, we shouldn't even trust that he's even if he admitted it, he said it. We should still shouldn't trust him. Kidrav Kahana, like what Rav Kahana says, Dama Rav Kahana, he loved the Odile, have a mamtile lechamre lechachvar, because he probably admitted, he probably said that under duress, because if he would not have said that, if he would not have confessed that or admitted that, then he would have taken him and his donkey to the to the local authorities and said, you know what, this is they're stolen, and then they would have they would have been bad for him. So it's under only under duress that he did the hoda. So therefore, we shouldn't even accept this when witnesses say about the grandson of Hodalo that before us, it was admit they admitted that um, uh, he sold he sold it to me. Amarava, Rava says, Pamim Shafilu ben Gazlan, Nami Hazaka. Rava says sometimes even the grandson of a of a, a thief does not have a chazaka, does not have assumption of ownership. Hechidami, in what case? In what situation? In the situation where he comes with the claim that of his father's father. Right? So of course he's not a then he's considered a gazlan. Hechidami gazlan. Then what are you talking about? What does it mean to be a gazlan? To be whenever we're doing kind of clarifying terms. What does it mean to be a thief on a field? That this field was owned by Gazlanut, by by manner of thievery. So he went in, it's not his field, he just went in, he sat on it, and then then he forced out the person and he just sat here. Rav Chista says, probably in a clarifying way, like this certain house, this certain family, where they kill people on a monetary manners. So the guy comes in and says, uh, you know, I have, a, I have an offer that you don't want to refuse. Uh, I want your house. <laughs> and he says, all right, all right, all right, you can have my house. So that's Huchzak al Sadezu Lanuta. That he was, he, he, he got the field by, by way of being a thief. So therefore, at times, even the grandson of a thief Still considered is still considered a thief, but usually the grandson of a thief is not considered a thief. This week's podcast is brought to you by Choni the Circle Maker. Is your business in a rut? Are you looking for an angle? Want a way to pull in some extra bucks? Well, you've come to the right place. Choni is a real rainmaker. No, seriously, he'll make it rain like you've never seen. I'm talking raining buckets, big buckets, pouring, flooding. Come to Choni if you want to hire someone who's going to really make it rain. Choni at www.notametaphor.com. Really, not a metaphor. Tznarabana. Okay, we're going to get back to this. So we just like bracket this for a minute. Tznarabana. Oman Enel Chazaka. Bright that says a, 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 an artisan does not, cannot make a claim of Chazaka.
we've seen this. But if he stops being an artisan, then he can make a claim of ownership. Aris and Lochazaka, tenant farmer, does not cannot make a claim of Chazaka. But if he stopped being a tenant farmer, then he can make a claim of Chazakah. He can still make, he can once again make a claim that I ate these fruits for three years because he's no longer a tenant farmer. A son who leaves his father and a woman who was divorced, so they are like any other person in terms of Chazakah. Right, so we, because a son cannot make cannot make a claim of ownership vis a vis his father's property because by saying, look, I've eaten this, the fruit for three years, because we say, of course, you ate the fruit for three years. You are sitting at your father's table. And a woman can't make a claim vis-a-vis her husband's property saying, look, I ate the fruit for three years because we say, of course, because your husband supported you. So if they're divorced, then they can. If the woman is divorced and the son Left, they can. Bishlama ben shechalak itzrich. So it has to. This brighta, this Tanya text, has to mention a son who left. Why? Because I would have thought that maybe you know, you can make a claim because the father, even though the son left, but the father still, uh, you know, he, he he's okay with the son eating his food without paying him for it. So therefore, it's not really chazaki. He's just saying, all right, you know, you, I don't want you to starve to death. Kamash malan delo. So actually, so therefore, we learned that that's not the case. So therefore, a son who left can make a claim of ownership. That's why it has to s- specify son. Ela isha, isha garsha. Pshita, but a woman who is divorced. So that's obvious because she's no longer with her husband. No, we need it. Why? We're talking about a specific case. A case where she's divorced and not divorced. In other words, the husband throws the the get at the wife and it lands, doesn't get into her daladamot, but he throws the get at her. So therefore she's divorced and not divorced. And ukid Rabbi Zera, according to what Rabbi Zera says, Dama Rabbi Zera, Amar Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba, Amar long Tradition to this statement. Rabbi Zerah says the name of Rabbi Bar Abba says in the name of Shmuel. Every place that sages say that she's divorced and not divorced, her husband has to support her. So therefore, we would have thought that a divorced woman is not like because it's not like every person, because the husband would have divorced us. Therefore, it has to say specifically that a divorced woman is like any other person. Amar of Nachman, Rav Nachman goes on and says, Amar li Huna, said to me, Kulan raya, rayatan raya, umamidin biadan. So anybody who brings a proof, their proof is a proof. Now, this is going back to the, the Oman, the Aris, the, the, and perhaps even the Gazlan. Except, we'll see in a second. So that in that case where they bring a proof, their proof is considered a good proof, and we give them, we leave the, the field in their hands. But a thief who brings a proof, his proof is not considered a good proof, and we do not leave the field in his hands. What is this teaching us? Now, what is this adding on? Tanina, because we have, it says in a Brita, actually in a Mishnah, in Gittin, if, if we took from a Sikarikon. Now, Sikarikon is originally a Greek word, 
sicarios, which means kind of highwaymen or bandits, but sicaricon, which is probably a bad transliteration of sicarion, is a person who robs a non-Jew, who robs a field from a Jew. This goes back in the, as, as referring in the Mishnah, it's referring to the memory of when the Romans in various different times just took property from, from Jews in the empire. Right around the time of the destruction of the first temple, around the time of the revolt of Bar Kokhba. And so that in that situation where you have a non-Jew who steals land by force, right? So then what happens if somebody buys that land from the Sikari Khan, but then but he's a good guy. So he goes and he then acquires it also from the original owner. I don't want I know that this is a, a shady situation, so I'm gonna get it from Julius, the the gladiator, but then I'm also gonna go and pick it up from Musin the Jew or from Natan the Jew. So he buys it from both of them. Mechobatel. His acquisition is invalid. Lafuke Midarav, and this is the opposite of this is to Contrast with what Rav says. This is only talking about that you can't have sikrikon, that you can't take from a, from a sikaria. This is uh, to, in the case where he says, in other words, have chazaka go do something to the land, build it, walk across it, etc., um, and then acquire it. Aval bishtar, but if he writes him out a star, if he writes the, the, the owner of the property writes him a deed, then he actually is Kona, right? From the, from the Baal Then he actually does acquire it. Kamash Malan Kiddishmuel. So we actually learning that, that we are doing this according to Shmuel, um, that a thief who brings a proof, his proof is not a proof, and we don't leave the field with him, because Shmuel says, Af bishtar nami lo Shmuel says that even with a deed, you can't buy, you can't acquire this land from the guy who the Sikrikon stole it from. Until he says explicitly in it that there's Achrayit Nechasim, that in other words, if somebody, if, if somebody will take this away, then I will pay for it. So in other words, that's under duress, somebody's not going to write that. adds on from Rav Nachman. Karka ain't lo avol ma'ot yeshlo. He doesn't get the karka, he doesn't get the land, but he can go back and get the money from the person who it was taken from originally. What are we talking about? In what case is this is in what case is it talking about? That's only when a the witnesses say that I saw him count out the money in front of us. But if the witnesses said, no, I didn't see him count out the money, I just saw him admit that he had sold it to him, then that's not a situation, that, that's not a situation where you, you would trust the thief. Because we're going back to the Rav Kahana statement, who said that if he had not admitted to him, he would have brought him to his personal authority. 
and uh, he would have uh, gotten him in trouble, so that would have been bad. Um, so therefore, he did it under duress. So the question there is, so therefore, we're always worried about the fact that this sale was a sale under duress. So therefore, we don't trust a somebody who's considered a thief. We don't trust him that his proof is a proof unless, right, it's like really you saw the money exchange hands. And in that situation, you could get the money back, but only when he says, I saw him count out the money, um, because anything else we think is 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 under under duress. Okay, so we're gonna we're not gonna stop there. We're gonna do one two more lines with just a teaser because it's just the beginning, but it's so good you can't leave it just for next week. I'm Rav Huna. Tell you of his oven zvine zvine. Rav Huna says, if you hang somebody up on a tree, you don't kill him, but you just like hang him up on a tree, and then you say, I'm not gonna let you down unless you sell me your house. It's a sale. My timer. And what's the reason? The Stam says, call the, probably the Stam, call the Mazmin Inish, anything that a person sells, if he had not been under a duress, he wouldn't have sold it. And even so, he sells it. So their concept, the Gemara's concept of what a sale is, is that the only reason I would sell something is because I need money for something else. I don't go around just selling stuff, right? But if I'm selling something, it means that I'm really under duress anyway, so I'll sell. So therefore, this, so therefore, the whole category of sale is a category of duress. So therefore, it can't be that duress invalidates sales because in that case, we wouldn't have any, any sales at all. Okay, we're going to stop here, but 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 we this is something to think about. It's like, what does that mean that all sales are under duress, right? It's kind of similar. It resonates with what the Gemara says about why a gambler is is pasule dude is not allowed to testify in Sanhedrin because there is no kinyan, there's no acquisitions. Therefore, it's 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 stealing because when I gamble, I never expect to lose. So when you take my money, I'm not actually giving it to you freely. So therefore you're not acquiring it from me freely. So therefore if you're a if you do that for a living, you're taking my money, you're you're a thief. Right? So there is a shemitz of thievery. There's a, a kind of a hint of thievery there. So that resonates with the fact that here any I mean for me that resonates, it's not the same halacha, but it, it resonates with the fact that here any kind of sale has coercion attached to it. What does that mean about, about the whole possibility of, of a market? We'll leave that till next week. It's been such a pleasure being with you for this daf. My name is Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. And I want to, as always, thank my amazing daf shui team, the team of my producer, Ellie Unger Sargon. Check out his podcast with Jeff Helmreich for Cubits on emotions um, they're doing it they're, it's it's kind of it's kind of wild uh, where do emotions live are emotions a real thing does brain science have anything to do with emotions and and what difference does it make obviously brain science does but what difference does it make anyway it blew my mind um, I, I suggest you check it out uh, my wonderful Chavruta Sherlatta Fun Robert thank you and of course, 
the Daf Shui communications team of Shachar Cohen Hodos, who made the amazing Daf Shui logo. Comments, criticisms, witticisms, come up with great other stuff. The Widow and the Brothers at gmail.com. The link will be on my podcast page. If you enjoyed this uh, Daf with me, spending this time with me, please give me a good rating on Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it'll be easier for people to find the podcast, but bottom line, it'll make me feel better. Have a great week. <laughs>